Hey, Retention Pros. I'm Noah Rahim today, and I lead partnerships here at Malomo. I'm super pumped to continue to chat with ecosystem experts alongside Mariah, who you all already know and love. Say hi, Mariah. Hey, everyone. As you probably know, Retention Chronicles likes to bring in some of the best retention-focused brands in the Shopify ecosystem. But we don't just feature brands. We also feature some great thought leaders in the Shopify ecosystem that serve those brands. And because we always want these conversations to be fun, you'll hear us talk to our guests about what they're excited about and what's helped them get to where they are today. We hope you'll stick around to learn and laugh with us. Retention Chronicles is sponsored by Malomo, a shipment and order tracking platform improving the post-purchase experience. Be sure to subscribe and check out all of our episodes at gomalomo.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another ecosystem episode of Retention Chronicles. Super excited for today's chat. Another really unique one. Um, we're joined by Nick and Adam from Elephant Room. Um, not only is Elephant Room an e-commerce agency focused on the Shopify ecosystem, like many of our past guests have been, um, but one, they're based in Australia, which is awesome, uh, and two... <laughs> They're launching a Shopify app out of the agency, uh, which is really cool. And I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about some similarities that I'm already seeing between the Malomo founding story and GiftNote, um, but we might get into that in a second. Um, but as we do, uh, Nick and Adam, would you like to say hello and introduce yourselves and your roles a little bit? Amazing. Um, thanks for the intro. So I'm Adam. I'm one of the directors here at Elephant Room. Um, we started the agency almost nine years ago in February, um, and we've basically grown quite significantly, focusing on three main practices, uh, web development, Shopify Plus web development, performance marketing in Google, Meta, Snap, TikTok, and all the other performance platforms, uh, and CRM focusing pretty exclusively on Klaviyo. Uh, all the Aussies say Clavio, but because your audience is probably not so Australian, I'm going to say Clavio, um, but I'm sure someone's going to root my head off of that a bit later. Uh, but over the years, we've been basically focusing and targeting on working with like emerging Aussie DTC brands, uh, in particular supporting them in their international growth expansion. Uh, there's a lot of really cool Australian brands making their way into America and Europe. And internationalization is a very big topic um, and focus for us. And yeah, I guess that's sort of been our founding journey. Um, and then I guess the with the support of Nick, who will introduce himself in a sec, uh, we essentially developed GIFMOTE internally, um, which we'll talk about a bit more later, uh, which is a sort of a COVID brainchild uh, for a lot of shared experiences that I had, Nick had, Matt, the other director had as they had their baby boys um, during COVID. And yeah, uh, it's um, it's been it's been a hell of a ride, but we couldn't be happier to be honest. I'll give it to Nick as well. Nice intro, Adam. I I've been at Elephant Room for coming up to five years. I actually went to uni or college, as you would say, over there <laughs> with with him, um, Adam and Matt. The other director would often not show up to any of the lectures. Um, <laughs> I would be there and then they, they would scramble at the last minute to submit any assignments. Um, but yeah, I came on board five years ago and I I started off as a, a, a web project manager and I've had many different roles and many hats um, from going over to marketing and also CRM um, with Clavio as well. Um, but now I 
kind of help manage the client relationships from a client success point of view um, across all of those offerings that we have, as well as um, tech partner success so or partnerships rather. So chatting with the likes of, of Noah and you guys uh, over at Malomo, um, Clavio, where uh, we recently got awarded Clavio Elite Partner status. So that was exciting news. Uh, I think one of only three or four in APAC. Um, uh, and then all of the other partners uh, from reviews platforms like Akendo, uh, loyalty platforms, um, uh, subscription platforms, um, basically the whole Shopify ecosystem, which is quite tight knit, especially here down under. Everyone knows each other. So it's a very small world. Um, and yeah, very excited to, to be venturing onto the app side with, with GiftNote as well. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic overview, fellas. Appreciate that. Um, I, I'm already like loving the Australian versus American nomenclature <laughs> battle, like Clavio, Clavio, but you have to say Clavio now because you're an elite partner. I that's, think that's exactly what, that's, that's exactly what. <laughs> uh, university, uni, we were talking before we started recording about the fact that it's like becoming the depths of winter here and it's the hottest part of summer in Australia. So, um, but, but all of that said, uh, you know, we're all operating in the same ecosystem. And I think, especially for, for you and I, Nick, thinking about a lot of the same things from a partnership standpoint, uh, every day in our working. So, uh, it's not all, it's not all, uh, dissimilar, I should say. Um, so uh, really, really want, excited to dive into uh, Elephant Room more and, and now Gift Note. But before we do that, we always like to start with a couple of things that you guys are excited about in your personal lives. So if you could, I know it's summer there. There's probably a lot of craziness and fun stuff planned. What's going on? What are you excited about? I'm very excited for the tennis season starting here, coming up. So um, Australian Open Grand Slam. I'm going to make my way down to Melbourne to, to see it. And I'm a big tennis freak. So very excited for that. And I think they're also filming, I think Netflix is filming like similar to that, similar to the Formula One one. They had like, they've got like a tennis one happening. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah. And so Nick Kyrgios is kind of like the iconic uh, <laughs> tennis player. Oh, yeah, here. And he's like, he's, yeah, he's infamous, but for all the, best and worst reasons but i love him we love him um so we're we're keen to see him on the court he's like he's definitely changing a lot of the attitudes on like like a gentleman's game um right. or even though like to to make it a bit more louder rowdier a bit more aggressive um and you know we're we're very um very very excited for that what would you say the general sentiment is across the the country is it the nick yeah, is I think supportive, supportive. supportive. Yeah. Like he's uh, in the end, like we like Australia has a very large sporting culture, and we we sort of there's heaps of sports that we specialize in. Nick's like very big on rugby, for example. Um, but you know, we it's we don't often have like really prolific like big sports comes sport players come through every five years is a large one, and the tennis right now it's curious. Um, and, and, and he's going to be, he'll be here for the next like three to five years. And I think it's exciting for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge, I, well, I should say I follow all the grand slams very closely. 
I don't really watch tennis outside of that, but I love it. It's a, it's a vastly underrated sport to watch. I think uh, it's always like super exciting, especially in the grand slams. For sure. Uh, have you been to the Australian open before? Or this will be a first. No, time? I, I, this will be my first time. I've never been, I've never had the opportunity to go, but I think now there's like, Traveling is now a bit more open. The flight's a bit more reasonable. And I think there's a lot of people that are just genuinely keen to, to get out and about. Yeah, that's awesome. Adam's obsessed with tennis. I, I've <laughs> played him a few times after work. And I yeah, he, he beats me. I, I just try to wear him down and yeah. get him frustrated. <laughs> he mentally wears me down. Yeah. Uh, he he talks the Nick Kyrgios uh, yeah. track. And, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of smack. A lot of smack is said on the course that can't be repeated. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah, one of our one of our uh, account executives played college tennis, and I oh, all the world played with his brother growing up. So yeah, we are we are fans as well. Nick, how about you? What are you excited about, man? Uh, well, Adam mentions. Uh, one of the ideas around gift night, which we can get to, was it started from when uh, me and my other founder, we separately, we had our firstborn children and Sebastian, my son, uh, is one today. So happy oh, birthday. Oh, my God. Um, always wanted to do that. Shout out happy birthday. So <laughs> listen back to this. We just yeah. got another listener. Yeah. So, um, Our youngest listener yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, we're having a, a birthday, first birthday for him uh, on Saturday. It's the dinosaur theme. So I've got a, a bit of a T-Rex costume that I'll be wearing. So very excited. Don't, don't scare him. Don't scare him too much. Uh, yeah, we've, we've had a few run-throughs, practices, so that I don't <laughs> scare off all the little kids. But um, we'll see how we go. Amazing. It's exciting. Beautiful. You'll have to keep us updated with that. Yeah. Update, yeah. Like. A video okay, of you. <laughs> I think the headshot. I think the headshot for Nick for the podcast should definitely be in the dinosaur <laughs> costume. Agreed. Both both Nick and Matt um, beautifully had their children right before the first ones before Black Friday Cyber Monday a year ago, and um, it was chaos for me. I mean, like both both obviously there's a big team and there's a lot of support around the place, but Nick and Matt helped me on more broader thinking and more strategic stuff for the agency. And yeah, it was uh it was chaotic. Um I was like you guys definitely timed this against me, but it all worked out beautifully in the end. Do you think this year will be less chaotic then compared to last? <laughs> um every year we we grow clients grow there's always a new you know 11th hour something that pops up i think that's just the reality of it even i i think what i've learned is like you could be the most diligent the most organized in the room but they're just they're just external variables that just come at you um and you just sort of need to the ability isn't in being organized is being able to sort of adapt and sort of modify your mentality quickly but also do it in a really polite and professional way so you're not necessarily annoying anyone but you're also doing what's right for the customer um but it's a sensitive time you know like it's a sensitive time in general for everyone but overall i think i think we'll be fine yeah it'll be interesting this is uh this is my first ever black friday cyber monday in e-commerce i spent a lot of oh, time wow. yeah i spent a lot of time on like the enterprise martech side um which i you know was crazy in its own right but i 
think e-commerce is gonna <laughs> be a, a little different. Bit. It's a different, it's an entirely different league. I could imagine the pace and the velocity is, is an entirely another level. It's a, you're on a different planet. Yeah, I would, uh, I would argue that like that is true across the board between enterprise and e-commerce, not just for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. For sure. Like enterprise versus e-commerce is like um, some sort of like super tight tight-knit society on the top end that like everybody plays by the rules and like there's all this red tape whereas e-commerce is like the wild wild west (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely definitely Um, when i'm sharing uh, my apartment to work from home with my my partner she works in enterprise and for fintech and i walk past listening to their conversations on their, their calls, I have no idea what they're talking about. It's it, it's very confusing. <laughs> like, is that, did I just hear some sort of rule or law? What is that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's funny because both both um both our wives and partners are like between Nick and Matt and myself, they're all in corporate. And we're just like so I, I could imagine sometimes like our horror stories versus their horror stories are like entirely different beasts. And it's just like, wow. I mean, we thought we had a bad, but you got some all other shit going on there. That's a, I don't even want to know about, I don't even want to know about it. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk to your work friends about this? Cause I'm not going to be any help. This is not healthy. This is not, not healthy bedtime chat. Right. <laughs> uh, great. Um, okay. So I know you, in your intro, you kind of gave an overview of elephant room, but would love to hear like going back to the beginning, um, like the founding story of it, um, what you were focused on then and and how it's evolved to the offering, the agency offering today. Um, and then maybe sort of let's start to get into how GiftNote spun out of that. Um, but that's a lot. So let's start, let's start at the beginning and work our way up. Yeah. So I think um when we first started um my parent my parents have been in the rag trade or retail for 40 years um and it's a very typical uh immigrant success story um for here in australia and also in america like a lot of people just sort of entered retail because that's what they knew and it's what they could do um but at the time already you know 10 11 years ago i we i put their business on magento when i was just finishing or starting university um both Nick and myself and Matt, we all did similar like engineering degrees. So we all come from like an IT background. So some of the technical concepts went to alien for us. So back in the day, I mean, you know, freelancing Magento WordPress work, a lot of the time put my parents on Magento, learned a lot about essentially an enterprise e-commerce platform and how great it was, but also how bad it was, but at the time Shopify was really in its infancy and you'd never, you didn't know what like a SaaS based e-com platform could really do. I know like big commerce, they had a different name back then, but they were running around their Aussie, but they were too little um, to really blink up. Um, what year was this, Adam? This was already, so I was, this was already, this was nine and a half years ago, roughly almost 10 years ago. Um, and it was, you know, Magento was ready in one version 1.2 or 1.3. It was like, it was, it was very early days. Um, and then over the course of the period, like we focused on small to medium businesses and we would essentially, as with everyone, every agency owner, any business owner to be in the first year, you just say yes to everyone. Um, 
which is good advice and bad advice. Uh, so the, our catchphrase at the time was big results for small businesses and kind of playing on the term like an elephant in the room as well. Um, so we grew and grew and we always had like a small book of e-commerce clients. We had a large book of um, WordPress and service-based businesses. Um, and then it got to a point where we were opening up additional services for the business like paid media, SEO, CRM. And some of these e-commerce businesses were just growing at a crazy rate compared to the service-based businesses. Just imagine a law firm compared to an online retailer setting bedsheets and you're looking at your performance as an agency and you're like, you want to service these law firms, but also you realize that you need to do what's right for you. Um, and then over the course of a three-year journey, we started transitioning into exclusively e-commerce Um and then that was Magento, Nito, BigCommerce, Shopify, WooCommerce. And then over the course of two, an additional two years, we started specializing, double downing on Shopify was a nominated platform of choice. Um, and then over that period, all the status, the partner ecosystem started blowing up. So you can imagine the app store, what it is today versus five years ago, it's an entirely different you know, environment. Um, and then Shopify Plus badge came through. Um, that exposed an inner circle of like partners and a broader ecosystem of tech vendors. Um, and then the narrative for the agency basically changed exclusively to an e-commerce performance agency. Uh, and that's essentially the, the journey to sort of today and um, probably the foreseeable future. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I love getting the, the founding story and you're certainly not the first guest I feel like that like started out by just helping his parents get online, whatever that meant to them back in the day. Well, I mean, Gary, Gary V wrote the book as much as people love him or hate him. Like he literally put his parents wine store online yeah. and then he, that kind of, that was his platform, right. Um, to get going. And I think there's a lot you can learn from what, how your parents run a business. I mean, how my dad did a stock take back in the day we just go up and then across and then multiply it and then that's your stock and i was like okay i mean that's how we're going to do it that's how we're going to do it yeah a hundred percent i mean funny story about adam's dad is he still does appear in our office from time to time uh with technical questions or like returned orders um and <laughs> He'll just be wandering through the back, uh, the Adam's background, uh, tapping him on the back, saying, <laughs> "A wild father of... appears." Yeah, he randomly appears, unannounced. You know, doesn't really care that we're on a meeting. And I mean, yeah, he's uh, he's got a way of doing business, but we we keep him busy. He's like, he's all right. <laughs> so their so their business is still going. It sounds like. Uh, yeah, we, um, they're obviously getting a bit older now, but we've like downsized into like a hybrid dropshipping business. Um, and you know, they, they, they support me here and there and they, we, I support them and it's, a it, it's relatively chilled. Um, but you know, nothing what it used to be. They used to have like a three-story warehouse. Um, and it's now, now they're, you know, retiring and trying to enjoy their life a little bit more out of a, outside of a warehouse. Right. Right. Makes sense. Um, you, so this is something you alluded to earlier, um, about like the sort of the Shopify or e-commerce ecosystem being super tight knit in Australia, whereas I think here it's maybe a little bit more robust or mature or competitive, however you want to say it. Um, I'm curious with that in mind, like, what do you think 
um, makes elephant room stick out. And it, you know, to me, a couple of the things that you said were really focused on um, getting like the highest tier partner level uh, at the bigger platforms like the Shopify's and Clavios, the international expansion. Um, those were a couple of things I heard. Would you agree that those are the things that make you stick out? Would you add anything? Uh, yeah. So, you know, the, like these, the, the ultimately they're badges and in the end of the day, um, the badges are a reflection of the value and the commitment and the energy and the effort that we put into sort of building the relationship and the relationship is divided into people and tech. Um, now, what, where, we, where we're different is that there are a lot of Shopify development agencies um, that focus really heavily on the technology um, and a lot of them are you know, exploring headless and they're doing really cool stuff in that space. And that's, a, that's part of us, um, but we also have hedged or split our offering, our practices into the performance side because we do see the value exchange being bigger than just building widgets. Um, we feel that brands, especially the D2C emerging brands, I don't. I know there's a lot of like stigma around like one-stop shop. We're not saying we're a one-stop shop, but there's definitely um, an experience where we're looking at Shopify as a whole. We're looking at the business as a whole, from the warehouse level to the customer experience level on the PDP, um, and seeing how can we how can we yield our relationships, our know-how, our combined knowledge to create better value. And it sort of goes against the or goes into the whole theory of you know the sum of the parts are greater than the whole. And that's really what we want to be offering for our clients is that if we can compound and and you know cross-pollinate the CRM side, the first party data collection side, the paid media side, and the web development side in a slick um, full service offering, then the value stands out quite a bit more for our clients. And that's sort of what becomes our competitive edge. Um, and look, we've uh, we've eaten a lot of shit for you know nine years to get to build out a performance media arm that's managing $80 million a year in, in paid media, um, which is significant. And it's not a, it's not a small number. Uh, and it's at least for Australia standards. And it's something that we have put the investment in from day zero alongside Dev that kind of creates a value exchange. Yeah, makes sense. I'm curious. And Mariah, you might have thoughts on this too, but we, we rarely talk about performance marketing on this podcast because we're typically so much more focused on the retention side, but I've seen so much lately about like the shift in ad spend from you know Facebook to TikTok or Facebook to Instagram or and now Instagram to TikTok. Like how have you adjusted your strategies? What are you uh, leaning off of and leaning into uh, in today's environment? Yeah, like it's a... Um... It's, it looked at we 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 battle that question every single day and we're actually battling it a lot more now walking into Black Friday Cyber Monday. Uh, the reality is that we we can't rely on like platform reported return, so that's one thing because it's blended and it overlaps. And some platforms have seven day plus seven day view, one day click, whatever it is, um, or 30, 30 plus one. So we we basically establishing an MER like a marketing efficiency ratio or a cost of sale ratio in aggregate to then dictate how the media as an aggregate is working in the brand uh, for the business itself. Then what we're trying to work, we, we drill that down by saying what was branded, what was not branded. Um, so we can at least allocate the percentage of revenue um, and spend. So we know what was really high intent direct and what was a bit more on the merchandise side. And then what we do is subdivide that by new customer versus repeat customer 
um, entries as well. So trying to understand what is actually growing the business and what's actually, again, on the retention side of the media, because media does actually account for a lot of retention-based um, customers that simply typing in a brand name that kind of get lost in the performance media arm. So what we try to do is we, we split it out into those like three or four major pillars, then the narrative is quite straightforward to say, hey, like by doing this way, we can see this. Um, it's never clear cut. And then what we try to do is, what we try to do to cement it or battle harden it is more of this like incremental philosophy. So instead of doing Snapchat and TikTok in parallel because it gets blurred and you never really know what's going to work, we try to have a very strict pacing policy where we only really want to be doing one new media channel at a time and then look back at our benchmark numbers to say, hey, this is what's impacting, this is what our efficiency is, this is what, what's actually going on after we did this. Um, and that's how we're sort of approaching it and tackling it now. And that opens so many more doors once you have a conversation in that frame as well. For you, for the benchmarks that you're saying, because you you can't trust the platform itself, are you looking in Google Analytics or is that something you're doing in-house or like um, another software? Or? So Google Analytics is like a last click scenario. So it's good. It is good because it, it gives you the snapshot of the last click environment for people that have opted in for cookies that aren't, don't have ad blockers and, you know, aren't working in Kikinito or some other niche Firefox browser. Um, so we primarily use some of that. But what we also do is we Shopify makes it quite easy to export some of the data out of it. Um, what we then do is we ingest that in a very large warehouse. Um, we have like our ETL tools set up that are basically bringing in everything by the day, by platform, impressions, clicks, spend, um, and revenue. And then what we do is we have some blending formulas to actually figure out what the pace is for the day. And that's how we sort of report it back in um Data Studio or, or Looker Studio now or Google Sheets, depending on the client requirements. Um, this is like, that's, that's been a very big investment for us as well. Um, and that's sort of where we're trying to sort of get to a bit more on the performance side. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a huge undertaking. I have so many questions about that. I think I'll, I'll just ask one and then I definitely want to get into GiftNote. Um, I'm curious when you think about ad spend, is there... Are you excited to see that driving retention, aka like repeat purchasers, or or as part of you like we should really be setting up things that keep them, you know, sort of like in the ecosystem, not needing to come through ads for the repeat, uh, like yes. a program or you know a community based uh, approach. I think every brand, like literally every single brand that I've spoken to, my AirPods are dying, but have said, oh, they would have come anyway, like. They would have they would have purchased with us regardless, right? Mm -hmm. um, so then, what you need to say is like, well, it's kind of like then it's kind of like you're an insurance policy. Like that's why. And then the the, the conversation with media on retention gets very precarious because you're like, well, I don't know if I had an offer on, would they come? Would they not come? Is it competitive? Are other people branding bidding on your brand? The reality is that no one wants to spend money that they didn't need to spend. Like, and that's that's kind of it. Um, and the user experience on an ad product is nowhere near as good as like a CRM retention-based product that's first party that's baked into your website. So you also need to understand the consumer, like clicking a little Google Shopping ad compared to a fully-fledged return management page or, you know, a very a loyalty product or something is entirely different. So 
we do want to push more people on site and not be so reliant on media as well. Um, and the reality is that it's getting more expensive. Like buying a house anywhere in the world is more expensive <laughs> today than it was two years ago. It's a, it's a commodity that's very contentious and there are a lot of bidders um, and it just gets more costly. And the client's product inflation isn't aligned with the inflation on media. So we need to offset it with other places and, and channels. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, yeah, that, that's fascinating. Not something that I know a ton about, but that was a, that was a great overview. All right, let's, uh, let's get in. And I, I think that could segue well into retention, but I don't want to, I don't want to go to retention before a gift note. So tell us how sort of like gift note was thought up of, you said COVID, uh, brainchild. So, uh, what was like the impetus for, for the idea and, um, the the problem that it solved so the genesis of gift note came about um sort of like serendipitously at the same time as nick matt and myself so it was my dad's 70th birthday um both nick and matt had their firstborn um and there was also a few other clients experiencing this issue and everyone has experienced this issue so You've, someone has either bought a gift on behalf of someone else or sent it to someone else or you, or you have received a gift yourself. Um, but the, what we discovered and what we identified was that the gift message, so the really sentimental message saying, hey, Nick, congrats on your firstborn, can't wait to meet him. Um, and that actual getting a physical product, we're disconnected. Uh, so that experience happened to me for my, so I like, I had my birthday, my dad's 70s, like we bought my dad um, a whole bunch of clothing and he was like, who's this from? I received a bottle of whiskey um, from like three friends and I was, and then I had to go to the WhatsApp group and saying, hey guys, like, uh, I got a bottle of whiskey. I don't really, I don't really know who it's from, but thank you anyway. And then like, you're kind of doing this and then Nick and Matt are getting, you know, baby gifts, baby shower gifts. And you kind of have this like WTF moment, like, oh, this is so nice, yeah. but I have no idea who this is from. You sent it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, and ev- I think every everyone's smiling like on, on the call because I think everyone literally has experienced it on, on either se- either side of the spectrum. So what we what we went down the sort of rabbit hole was, was like, what can we do from a technical perspective to try mitigate this? And what we essentially developed was GIFNote which is a, an ability for a gift giver um, to capture the recipient information at point of checkout. Um, so I'm buying Nick a pair of socks, um, happy birthday, buddy, and I record and type in a message. Then when the merchant um, fulfills that order, they provide a tracking number. We're then listening to the tracking number, monitoring it the whole way through until it gets marked as delivered. And then we send our gift note payload at the point of delivery. So within five to 10 minutes of receiving it, he can receive an SMS and or an email that says, hey, what I wrote at the point of checkout. And essentially we hold the payload and then deliver it at the time when the time is right. Interesting. So the brand is able to design a a beautifully branded uh, email or gift message uh, that we will then put in the gift message from the customer. And for many, it might be their first kind of interaction with the brand. Um, so, you know, me receiving a, a package with a, a onesie for my baby with no gift card versus a nicely branded email from the, the brand introducing me to them uh, with the gift message, as well as maybe some um, 
some real estate to say this is how to care for the product or sign up to our mailing list for um, more information or a discount on your first purchase. Um, so yeah, it just gives the brand a bit more real estate and the opportunity to make a good first impact as well. 100%. Yeah. Uh, that is awesome. Incredible. Like, how is this not a thing yet? Is my first thought. <laughs> like, how does Shopify, how did Shopify miss building something like this? I'm curious, do you, um, so do you have like integrations with the messaging platforms or are you sending the email SMS uh, from, from GiftNote itself? Yeah, so we, we at, at, on default on install, we handle the transit ourselves. Um, but optionally, the user can then integrate Clavio, and then in the future, there'll be PostScript and a few others, um, attentive as well from the SMS side. Um, what will happen at that point is you can integrate it. Um, they will then create an event trigger inside the platform. Um, they'll get access to do more customized email, more conditional stuff, more transactional stuff, um, better. They can look at the metric analytics on usage as well. So yeah, that's essentially the, the beginning of the integration journey. Um, and then it also gets a bit more interesting as you think about it more where, for example, if you are a review or a UGC platform, um, it doesn't really make sense for that platform to send a review request to right. the gift card. It yeah. should go to the recipient. So what we what we're sort of framing this is is like unlock unlock your gifting potential or, or be able to sort of cohort very conveniently your gift recipients away from your actual core customers and then understand what your giftable revenue is. And that's sort of like the the higher level umbrella that we're sort of double clicking on. Yeah. I feel like we need to have like a segmented tracking page for gifts now. Like <laughs> clearly have to do that. That is that is awesome. Um, you were gonna say something though, Mariah. Well, Nick, I'll let you expand because I've I have a um I have another thought, but I'm gonna I'm curious to see what you're gonna say. Yeah, so touching on on that point of Adam in identifying gift recipients, which you can't currently do from Shopify out of the box. Um, let's just say an example. Um, uh, I'm sending Noah a bottle of whiskey. I don't I don't know if you're a drinker or not, um, but let's just say <laughs> that I'm not a drinker. Let's say I send him the bottle of whiskey and the brand that I'm purchasing from is going to think that I'm the customer and that I'm a whiskey drinker, right? So in the future, I'm going to get hit up with ads on Facebook, on TikTok now, um, get all their e emails, all their CRM emails, whereas you're the person perhaps that they should be actually sending that to. So GiftNote can help with that in converting you into a database, a customer and um, an opted in customer within their database. So yeah, was that the question you were gonna ask? Okay, it's almost <laughs> like we planned it. It's yeah, it's very similar along that line. So like the notion that you can, you like, especially around this time of year, right? Like heading into the holidays, we're recording in the beginning of, um, in the beginning of November. So Black Friday, Cyber Monday is like two weeks away. So the idea of the merchant not having like the, the customer versus the consumer and like how they're different in gift giving. So that's exactly what I was going to talk about is like, there's also a huge perk for merchants to grow their like branding and their 
um, experience with the person who's actually consuming their product and to ask for, you know, that UGC or those reviews or um, to know, like, even if so, the like, say, Nick, in the whiskey example, you're buying, you mark like, oh, this is for Noah's birthday or something along those lines. Now the merchant knows that, oh, you bought a bottle of whiskey for your friend's birthday around this time or like even mm. segmenting for like different holidays because now they have more information on like you and why you purchase from them and then also have more information about Noah and his consuming like patterns or that he's been introduced to the brand. Exactly. Super interesting. So, yeah. so imagine like um, one year after I buy a whiskey bottle for Noah, the same brand hits me up. I'm in, I'm in their segment of gift senders and yeah. they hit me up saying, does, does Noah need another bottle for his birthday? <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> Always yes. Yeah. And, then, and that's, that's sort of a part of like the reconversion and the retention side, but it's a, it's a very, it's kind of like one of these very hard metrics to compute if you didn't have third-party tech is what percentage of my gift recipients converted to first-time buyers? Mm -hmm. That is like, and then just to sort of frame that better, 45% on average of all Black Friday, Cyber Monday purchases are gifts. So in that bucket, there's like a lot of people that are eventually, so in this building next door, a lot of people that um a lot of people that eventually reconvert that we can then borrow, we can track the entire way through, which is quite exciting. Yeah. It's like, we, we talk about this a lot, uh, like turning retention into an acquisition channel. And this is sort of doing that very clearly where like you've already acquired one customer. Now you're turning that single customer into, you know, you're, you're retaining them on one side because you're providing a better customer experience that, you know, they might get hit up from their friend and say, not only did I love the whiskey, but the message I got from the brand was, you know, beautiful. And like, I'm really interested in checking them out. Now you've, you've made the purchaser happy, the, the customer, but also the consumer consumer really a really great experience from the get-go and part of um, our part of our narrative is like you're actually servicing two customers not one in a gifting yeah. context and a lot of totally. people don't a lot of brands aren't really appreciating that as well right yeah and and also like what's fascinating to me mariah i'm sure that you're thinking about this too is like the similarities between the malomo story and gift note like for sure malomo <laughs> was founded uh, like there's so much overlap. It's crazy. Maloma was founded out of an agency to solve like a single problem, which was people don't come back after one bad shipping experience. Like literally 84% of customers will not come back after one poor shipping experience. So our, our founders were running an agency. They noticed this problem. They solved it ad hoc a couple of times for a couple of their merchants. And then they were like, oh my God, this is like a huge opportunity. Um, so then they solve the problem of like better order tracking, retain more customers. And then they're like, okay, but like, what if we turn this cost center uh, of order tracking and shipment to a revenue channel? Like, what if we started supplying like products or complementary products on the tracking page? What if we started driving subscription and including Okendo reviews? And like the fact that you guys thought about it as like, I'm sure very similarly, like, we all want, we all want to know where our gifts come from, but now it's expanded already into, all right, but like, what does that mean for the, the actual bottom line of a business, um, mm. both on the retention and the acquisition side? So it's, it's really fascinating. 
Yeah, and it helps. It helps businesses really put more capital into like marketing top funnel for how they are a gifting brand rather than just like merch, merch, merch. It's more, hey, we've got a gift guide. This is great for the gift giver. There's like actually a very different way to skin it for them. And that's important because everything's getting more competitive. Like it's in the end, like there's, you need to diversify the audience that you're targeting. Um, my mother might not be your primary target at your core range, but she might be interested in buying it as a gift because she knows her daughter or her son are entertaining or using your products. And that all those analytics and insights gives the justification to sort of pursue it further. And that's really the area that, again, we want to own and, and really like target. Absolutely. So uh, maybe you can't say too much about this yet, which is totally fine. But like, I'm curious, that first email is the goal of the brand, obviously, outside of providing like a great gift giving experience and the consumer being thrilled with the gift that they got, both with the gift itself and the message they receive is the ultimate goal in that first touch point with that new consumer to capture their contact information. Get an opt-in, yeah. So we we know um, that an opt-in is cherished and you have to do it right. Like you can't just assume the opportunity to spam a gift recipient um, if they didn't actually opt in. But the the payload, because it's essentially a transactional email that we're sending through as a gift note, is a transactional email. So it's important to remember that. That, that. That's the real estate that Nick was talking about to say, hey, here, you can get your aftercare information. You can potentially get your, um, you can't really put too much of an upsell or a promo code in a transactional email. So there's a line that you need to walk on there. But there's definitely opportunities in, in getting them onboarded with a firmer opt-in. Um, you can give them potentially an incentive. We give receive an incentive. Um, you can do cash back. You can actually have a bit of fun with it um, if you start sort of working it um, quite intelligently. Yeah, we we have a very similar situation. Like all of our uh, order tracking emails are transactional as well, of course. But um, there is some real estate toward the bottom, as you guys probably know, to include some more marketing type um, yeah. content. And, you know, the brands who actually leverage that see tremendous results. Like if you look at the brands who are doing some marketing, uh, tactful marketing, I should say, at the bottom of their transactional messages compared to those who aren't, like the results that they're actually seeing from those emails are uh, really, really impressive. Yeah, like I, th- I think a long-term vision for us is building more of a robust gifting API for this. So a smart or creative development agency or vendor could look at this experience and ecosystem and have some fun with it. So, you know, I might say, hey, Noah, you've got a gift, click this link to view the gifts. And maybe I potentially, I wouldn't maybe recommend this, but you could gate the gift to force the opt-in or force the sign-up to view it or to validate it. You can have, you can do things in certain ways to cut it and craft it as fun as you want. Um, and ultimately we'll be adding rich media in gifts as well. So potentially think like video and audio messages. Maybe I think there are other there are other elements that you can use to enrich it because you only have so much canvas inside of an email and SMS that you can work with. So if you start thinking about taking it to the browser or an app, you have a there's a whole new world of rich media that opens up 
Um, think about animations, think about audio, think about all the other senses and sensations that you could potentially bake in. Um, and that actually makes the whole thing quite interesting. Scanning a QR code when the gift is delivered to then actually do it, take them to a browser. There's a whole new world of like gifting experiences that we haven't even really unlocked on that we are developing in the background. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. Um, so is this, um, is this available? Is it GA now? Are people yes, using it? We're fully, um, fully GA. There's a team of four powering it right now, um, all incubated from within Elephant Room, which is really exciting. Um, we've been really fortunate enough to sort of like, you know, justify the time and effort for these, for these people to sort of support it. Nick is a, is a big, is a big leader on it right now. Um, it's available in the App Store as well. Just type in giftnote or giftnote.com. Um, um, we've got flawless reviews right now. So if you want to battle test it, you want to demo, chat to Nick, he'll hook you up. Happy to entertain any time zone as well. <laughs> famous, famous last words, right? Um, uh, yeah, we are, we're ready to go. We've got over 50 to 60 installs happening in production right now. Um, We've got, we're listening to customer reviews every single day. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. Um, one thing that I will note as well is compared to other apps, we don't take a percentage of the order. So we're not clipping the transaction. Um, installing apps every single day on the elephant room side, we know some of the contention that that comes with. Um, we've, we've adopted more of like a quota usage-based approach rather than just taking percentage of order. Um, and it's a it, the commercial model actually works out considerably cheaper than any sort of competitive or relatively similar product as well. So we are we do know what gripes agencies and brands have on certain app pricing. We've really worked hard to bake that into our model so it works for everyone. So when you say that uh, it's not on a per order basis overall, but it's more consumption. Uh, I'm always curious about just like business models overall but yeah. in the app store in the Shopify well, app store. Could, yeah like I could listen to this podcast to get in a year time and be like what the hell were you saying because like <laughs> not, it doesn't stand anymore and maybe that's a good thing to have but right now in the current iteration it's um you're basically purchasing lots of 25 gift notes which is your monthly quota and then every gift note has an overage of a couple cents um yep. over your quota so obviously um, November is bigger for some brands compared to January. Um, and you have the option to sort of lump up your quota or your credits to go, um, to sort of go as the brand grows and needs it as well. Got it. Um, so, and it, look, it essentially comes down to 50 or 60 cents a gift note, uh, realistically. And in that, in that 50 or 60 cents, we're doing a lot. Like you have your whole integration with Clavio, all your branding, um, basic analytics. We have like all the all we have. We, we're, we're indexing and tracking over 600 carriers globally as well. So just to think about the value that's coming out of that single 50 cent is is quite tremendous. Yeah, that's really fascinating. We should talk offline about some of the back end stuff and <laughs> and explore like an actual part uh, technology partnership on top of the the agency thing that we got going on. Because sure. um, I'm I've got a few ideas that I think I'll save <laughs> save from the public. <laughs> that's um, but that yeah, that is fascinating, guys. Congrats on launching that. That's, yeah, that's a huge, huge step. And, um, sounds like it's off to a an incredible start as well and couldn't be a better time really right right around the, the gift giving season 
definitely. Yeah. And like a big shout out to, to Cal and Matt and Nick as well, who've been driving it and pushing it quite a bit. Um, everyone sort of brought their own like piece to the party. And yeah, it's it's great because we're surrounded by awesome tech partners as well like, that are established that we're learning from and sharing with, and that's what's making it exciting. We're yet to do an American event that might happen next year if um <laughs> if we get permission. So um we will that's something that we'll like that's a big, big milestone for us next year to do a to a bit of like a launch in somewhere in, in America next year. So hopefully we can bring you guys along. Yes, please. Yeah. I'd rather come, I'd rather come there, but if you have to do here, sure. Yeah, Nick, you were going to say something. Uh, I was just going to ask a question um, for the Malomo founders because obviously we're still working full time on Elephant Room as well as Gift Note on the side. Uh, how do you balance your time uh, at the to the best of your ability, and how? How are they planning their weeks, you know, around, this is obviously when you, they were first still an agency. That's probably the, the challenge at the moment um, when you're building something out of an agency is making sure that you're like fully servicing your clients and partners on the elephant room side, but also, you know, uh, helping to grow gift note at the same time and taking care of a, a one-year-old baby at the same time as well. So, <laughs> it's, funny. Uh, it's, funny. it's all an interesting challenge. I was going to ask you how you're balancing all these things, but I've, uh, I've known Yao and Anthony, the founders of, I, I actually hired them to build me an app when they were running their agency. So I've known them, you know, be, well before Maloma was even uh, ideated and talked to them before they had a name for it while they were in ideation and through the, the, the shutting down of the agency. And I can't speak for them, but I can definitely say that they, did everything that they could from like a manual perspective and sort of delayed like full focus on building out a platform as long as they could until they felt like they had um, significant, you know, uh, validation that they had a, that they were really onto something. It sounds like you guys might've already crossed that bridge, uh, frankly. Um, and then I think once they, I think the answer that they would give, and I could be wrong about this, so I'll have to check with you if, if he has something different, but I think it was like, once they realized they couldn't give the clients the time that they, that they used to be able to, the time that they were like, uh, that they deserved and that they needed from the agency, they were like, okay, we have enough here. We have the, we have the validation we needed. Plus like, we know that we just, we can't do, we can't run two full-time businesses at once. Um, and they, they just straight up, you know, shut down the, shut down the agency. So any elephant room clients listening to this, we will not be, we will not be shutting down the agency. <laughs> if anyone's getting any creepy ideas and I already know the clients that might be listening and I know how they're, they're neurotic like me. So it's, we're not, we're not going anywhere. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good in the hood. You guys have another founder too, you know, that's, that's comforting a little. <laughs> Two babies Adam in the mix. Adam just saved himself about 30 phone calls there. <laughs> right. there's, 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 there's 35 beautifully talented people inside the Elephant Room team that are, that are also grinding very hard to, to make clients get value. But no, it's, a, it's an interesting point. And a lot of people talk about balancing the grind. And obviously Nick, Nick's got a, a third um, third requirement, which is the baby boy, and it's it, it. I couldn't look. It's it's a it's challenging for everyone. Um, 
And, you know, everyone's now working from home more, they're working longer hours. It's like, it's, it's interesting. And it's, you know, no one, like we're putting a big, big priority on mental health and we don't want to be burning out as well. So there's, there is a, there is a balance there, um, but what that looks like is yet to be, uh, yet to be determined. But I think where the biggest thing for me is like Nick, you know, he, he's allocated a lot majority of the week towards gift note. Um, and as we get more engineering, more talent and the, and the commercials for gift note, cause we don't have any, we haven't done any funding. We're incubating it ourselves. Um, so we're trying to, we're, we're doing it in a moderate way that actually is sustainable and actually we can grow from it as well. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a very interesting balance, but I would definitely argue a great problem to have. <laughs> uh, we're very, we're very fortunate and we've like, you know, we, we know and appreciate how, how sort of lucky we are that things have landed as they have. But having said that we work hard as well. Um, and we, we, we give it, we give it 120% without, without any doubt no substitute for hard work, which uh, leads me to my last question. And we might've just gotten Adam's answer. <laughs> uh, given where you guys have, uh, you know, gotten to in your careers, obviously extremely impressive. And with the, with the gift note launch, uh, another sort of like notch, but I know you're just getting started. What do you, what do you two individ as individuals uh, attribute, you know, the success to this point too, and what sort of guides you in your um, pursuit of that on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, there's a lot of cliche answers for this one, <laughs> to be honest. Um, we want to hear them I guess it's, it's a cliche <laughs> for a reason. So the first thing as well is like the team, like obviously, you know, having a co-founder or a solid team, you literally drive yourself induce like a psychotic coma if you were just doing everything alone. Like I don't think I don't think any one human being is resilient enough to handle so many compounding pressures. You need you need people that are in the room that challenge you, that listen to you, and accept you as well. And all in 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 all sort of parallel moments. Um, I think it's not. Don't be afraid as like leaders or managers or founders to to hire people that are better senior or experienced than you it's not a bad thing um i started the agency when i was 23 um i don't know shit to be honest and i thought i knew a lot um and as we grew and we matured and we had exposure to more sophisticated clients more sophisticated talent you, you understand your value is not necessarily being the smartest guy in the room it's also about motivating and driving and empowering people to do their best work um so that's a really big thing um don't hire blended roles, give people very clear responsibilities. Um, if they, people will wear multiple hats, you can't avoid that, but also make sure that the role is defined and it's streamlined. And if someone's doing paid media, they don't need to be doing CRM, get a CRM person as an example. If it's a web developer, they shouldn't be doing design, get a designer for that. Um, and I think one reading that I was recommended, and I, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of the people in the community would know, is like the Y Compounded Paul Graham. He's got a uh, like a monologue or a blog, I guess, on do things that don't scale. Yeah. Um, that's everyone. I know everyone comments on that, and everyone says it. I know Guy Roth. I know everyone mentions it, but it's literally it's so true. You just need to do things that make no sense. And get your hands so dirty to, that to the point where you're like, okay, I've gotten, I'm in the coal mine. I understand exactly all the moving parts to sort of 
get this raw commodity out and make it and convert it into energy. What do I, how do I, how can I put people, systems, processes, technology to sell, to help like supplement that? But you can't do that without deeply understanding the, the actual problem. Um, and I think there's a, that's, it's a very good read and it's given me a lot of perspective. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people just come in expecting shit just to work like a miracle and it's just gonna, it's just, it's just gonna work. Like I got this CRM, I'm gonna install HubSpot, it's just gonna work for me. It's like, nah, and there's no way it's gonna work. Like <laughs> you need to really deeply understand the nuances, your pipe, your stages, all the contention, the objections, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, that's what I was sort of saying earlier about the Maloma founding was, you know, they did everything that they possibly could to delay the actual software build before they knew, you know, to your point, like they did everything that didn't scale for as long as they could until they validated the problem that they were solving and that it that it actually mattered. Um, yeah, like every but- new gift note install, their first gift note, between the four of us, we have a Slack channel, we're manually watching the right. tracking number. We yeah. know. If they if we missed the gift note delivery on the first gift note, we've botched the experience. So every single first gift note order, we're ma- we're ma- we're manually monitoring. Like yeah. it's not it's there's no beautiful engineering code or AI that's doing it. It's it's literally us at you know four in the morning looking at a niche carrier based out of South America to see if it's going to deliver or not, and our gift note's going to send. That's exactly that was exactly our founding story. Like they would track the orders at every stage throughout the process and literally manually hit send on, on an email. Yeah. That out. The um, client thinks it's a, a bot doing it. Yeah. High five. We've done our right. job. And now <laughs> exactly. we've, got to get, we've got to get some engineers to figure out how we can, how this will work if we tripled our size. Right. Exactly. Uh, that's awesome. Nick, how about you, man? Uh, I, I kind of, just personally on how I kind of help connect with clients and new customers and is more around empathy, um, putting myself in their shoes. Uh, and there was one kind of mantra that one of my first bosses told me was surprise and delight. Um, so, you know, um, a nice little surprise that going above and beyond um, to help onboard a customer where they've had a good experience is generally going to lead to a healthy relationship, a, a good review. Um, and then also on, the, on that same note is um, under promise and over deliver. So that you're always having that customer service at, at the forefront. So, yeah, I think that's how most of our, all of our elephant room team have kind of cottoned onto that, those mantras. And also we're, we're trying to grow gift note in that same, same sense. Yeah, I would say with those two pieces of advice, gift note is the natural, <laughs> natural result of thinking that way. Um, but great stuff, fellas. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, your morning, our evening, but it was a blast from across the world. And hopefully we can get together in person in uh, 2023. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. Thanks for having us. It was awesome. It was a really good chat. Awesome. Thanks, Noah. Thanks, Maria. Thank you.